podcast of Science and the City, the public gateway to the New York Academy of Sciences, online at scienceandthecity.org. Today's Friday, December 19th, 2008. I'm Alana Rangi. gift-giving time of year, and if we here at Science in the City know anything about our listeners, it's that you've got a thing for quirky science. So why give the usual pair of flannel pajamas this year? Especially when we've rounded up 10 cool and original science gift ideas you could wrap up instead. From DNA artwork to meteorites off eBay, what we've got is far from your average microscope set. Happy holidays from Science in the City. Number 10. Okay, we're kicking this off with something free and easy, but still really cool. And it's not a copy of 2001 A Space Odyssey. We figure since it's been 40 years since Hal last grazed the big screens, it's time for another space trip. This time, no helmet required. You can send your name, or your gift recipient's name, around the Earth on the NASA Glory mission, set to launch on July 15, 2009. All you have to do is visit glory.gsfc.nasa.gov to register, and as a bonus, you get a snazzy certificate to print off and frame. Who knew space travel could be so cheap? Number 9! Sure, Martha Stewart sells coordinated gardening sets with an accompanying carrying bag. But really, it seems like what most of us need is a portable gardening Martha Stewart to help us out. It turns out that PlantSense, a San Francisco-based company, might have invented the perfect solution to gardening woes. It's called the EasyBloom sensor, and it's a programmable stick about 8 inches tall that, when stuck next to your wilting plant, can help you coach it back to life. I talked with Robbie Flannery, the senior horticulturalist with PlantSense. So, Robbie, can you tell me what an EasyBloom sensor is? So, the EasyBloom sensor is is exactly that. It's a sensor, and what it senses and what it monitors is the microenvironments in your garden or you know on your kitchen counter, anywhere that you really want to have a plant truly thrive. It will monitor uh, the microenvironment around it. Okay, now monitor how? Can you help our listeners sort of picture this in their heads? Okay, so if you can imagine, this is a sensor that's it's not too big, but you could put it on your countertop and it will monitor light intensity, monitors temperature, relative humidity, and also if you have it out in the garden or in a, 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 in a potting soil, it will also monitor volumetric water content, which is just a fancy way of saying soil moisture. Also, with the light intensity, we do calculate daily light integral, which when you think about it in plant terms, this is kind of like kilowatt hours. Daily light integral is how much work the plant can do with that light, and it's actually a better metric. So where did this idea come from? So uh, the CEO of the company, a gentleman named Matt Glenn, was actually um, getting his hair cut. And he was sitting in the, the barber stool and he looked over uh, on the windowsill and he saw that there were these couple of plants there that were completely dead. And, uh, you know, he turns to his barber and says, what's the deal with that? Why, why are those plants dying? And the barber said, well, you know, regardless of what type of plant I put there, they, they always die. And so we kind of had one of those epiphanies, a little light bulb moment where Matt thought to himself, hey, I bet you can get a bunch of uh, sensors right there, um, sensors that would be monitoring uh, important environmental factors that the plants would really be concerned with. 
and basically we can get an idea of what the plants would need and uh, you can give good recommendations of what would grow there. Okay, so you basically stick this Easy Bloom sensor in your garden next to, to a plant, but then how do you actually figure out like, what the plant needs? When you come up with an idea of, of you know, monitoring plants or recommending plants for a particular microclimate, there's the one aspect where you need the hardware to actually sense that microclimate, but then there's also the interpretation of that data and then the recommendation or monitoring process. And so once you collect the data on the EasyBloom sensor, you plug it into your computer and you would upload this, the, the data to the, the website. And we have a database of over 5,000 popular horticultural plants that we've gotten from uh, Ball Horticulture, uh, the National Gardening Association, and Burpee Seeds and things like that. And they've done a lot of work on really truly characterizing the cultural range of environmental factors for particular plants. And so what we've done is taking those, those cultural ranges and cultural needs for those plants and interpreted in these complex algorithms from our database. And so this will give you, you know, a recommendation of, of plants that would truly thrive in a particular location, or you can even monitor a, a plant that you have already, and it can tell you what's going wrong and what's going right with that plant. Right. So how do our listeners actually get a hold of one of these? Well, you can go to our website, which is easybloom.com, or you can go to amazon.com and look up EasyBloom. Um, it costs fifty nine ninety five, and uh, yeah. Robbie, thanks so much for talking to me. No worries, I, I really appreciate it. Number eight. For our next gift, I ventured to an iconic New York City science store. I'm in the Evolution Nature Store in Soho, and I'm here with Alex, I'm the manager of the store. So today we're here to uh, preview one of the coolest things you have available in your store. Um, we're going to talk about specimens, framed specimens. We have our own entomology department across the street, and we do custom work. Uh, if you're looking for a particular type of insect, we can do that for you. We have hundreds and hundreds of specimens available here of beetles and scorpions and spiders and all kinds of beautiful butterflies and moths, mantids and uh, walking sticks and cockroaches and what have you. So do you have a favorite? Uh, I think I particularly lean towards uh, flower beetles. Flower beetles. Can you maybe pull out a flower beetle? Can we have a look at it? Sure. Cool. Okay, so we've pulled out three flower beetle samples. Um, so can you, can you describe to me what this flower beetle looks like? Well, flower beetles are kind of similar to your, your Japanese rose beetle and so forth. They're flower chafers, and they're found all over the world uh, in temperate climates and tropical ones. The really large ones, like the one here on the bottom, which is Goliathus orientalis, mostly from Africa. It's a, a Goliath beetle, so-called. Uh, and they get very huge and often have very interesting patterns on them. Flower beetles come from all over, and they come in a variety of beautiful colors, like uh, Terinarina flamia here, uh, which actually comes in a variety of color forms. This one is a red, but it's also found in beautiful blues and greens. They look as though they're suspended in glass. Well, it's a double glass frame. and has glass on the front and back, surrounded by a wood frame. 
The beetles are glued to the back pane of glass with a little dollop of uh, silicone glue, which we have found is uh, the best adhesive to stick them to the glass. It sticks to the bugs, sticks to the frame, and usually is reversible. You can get them off if you need to. I assume that there are sort of a wide variety of price ranges for your framed specimens. That is certainly true. So what kind of things do you have for people on like a lower budget? They generally start around $80 for the nice frames, and they can go up to thousands of dollars depending on how fancy you want to get. You also do custom framing. That's um, true. So if, so, so describe the custom framing process. If somebody has an insect, can they bring it in? They certainly can. We've had many cases where somebody has uh, found a dragonfly or a, a, an interesting bug somewhere in the in the street or on the field, even right here in New York City. Someone around the corner picked up a dragonfly and brought it in, and we've been happy to frame them for people. It's a process that takes at least a couple days. If the insect needs to be spread, uh, then we take care of that and prep it and frame it. The Evolution Store is located at 120 Spring Street in Soho, New York City. You can also find them online at evolutionnyc.com. Number 7 Though they might be an endangered species in Manhattan, chances are you've got at least one outdoor adventure seeker somewhere in your life. This next gift is perfect for that trail hiking, backpacking, and very practical friend. It's called the light cap, and it turns your water bottle into a solar-powered lantern. Think of it as a Nalgene version 2.0. Dave Robinson is the co-founder and managing partner for the Simply Brilliant company, who makes the light cap. Well, essentially, it's a water bottle like everyone's used to using, whether Nalgene, Camelback, that type of uh, water bottle. And what we what we have done is we've incorporated uh, solar and LED technology efficient circuit uh, in power and developed a completely encapsulated lantern in the cap of the bottle. So essentially it's a water bottle, but it's also a flashlight, a solar-powered flashlight and, and lantern. I tried out one of these babies, and they're pretty bright. Not to mention that when fully charged, the light lasts for up to 12 hours. I wanted to know what kind of engineering went into it. It's got a rechargeable nickel metal hydride battery in the cap, so essentially your system is a solar panel, a conditioning circuit for the voltage and current, and a battery for storing power, and then LEDs for the light. So I'm an engineer from kind of the high-tech world, so when I tackled this problem, it was both straightforward and intriguing in that a lot of consumer electronics, especially solar products, are done very cheaply. Uh, so they don't take into account uh, things that you, in larger solar systems, you know, commercial and residential solar systems, you need to worry about things like efficient use of power in the circuitry and the quality of the silicon for for maximizing your output per square inch of panel and those sorts of things. I took those sort of macro engineering uh, concepts and rolled them into the design of this consumer product. And apart from just being a cool novelty gift, Robinson says safety is an added bonus. You know, most people are carrying water anyway and they may have a headlamp or a flashlight. Well, here's a product that allows you to carry one thing. Uh, we use it a lot for day hikes, and most everybody has a story where they're caught out. Uh, they go for a hike, and they, they don't bring a flashlight. They're carrying a water bottle, but they, they don't bring a flashlight because they expect to be back before dark, and they don't get back before dark. And we, we take it on hikes like that, and have actually used it. And it's fantastic for that. To get your light cap, log on to www.soulight.com. Dot com. They currently retail for about $30. Number 6. 
number six. For the geneticist who has everything, might we suggest getting them a portrait of their DNA? Ottawa-based company DNA11 takes your genome and translates it into art worthy of the MoMA. I spoke first with Adrian Zamunovic and then with Nazem Ahmed, both co-founders of DNA11. Okay, Adrian, so can you tell me what DNA11 is? Well, DNA11 is, uh, we like to say, one of the world's most unique companies, literally. Uh, what we do is we actually take a sample of your DNA. We also do fingerprints also, but a sample of your DNA. We sequence it, create an image from it, and then um, really sell it to you as a piece of modern art that's truly as customized as customized can get. Okay, so if you had to describe what one of these custom pieces of modern art look like, how would you describe it to our listeners? Well, I think the, the best visual description is almost like lights at night or a cityscape at night. Some lights are on, some lights are off. And that pattern of the PCR gel, the gel that we, see, that we run the DNA on, is what creates the unique pattern that's unique to each of us. So that's sort of the best way to visually describe it. Of course, many people, when they think of DNA, think of the DNA helix, and that's not something that can be visualized or seen with, you know, with, with a microscope, for example. So this is the way that we sequence the DNA in order for it to be measured. You know, and what we could probably do for this part is maybe bring in Nazem, who's a geneticist here, who's a co-founder of the company. He can explain the actual scientific process. Okay, great. So Nazem, how does this work? Uh, how do I actually turn my DNA into an image? Essentially, the whole process starts off with getting a sample of your what we call genomic DNA, which is a full complement of your DNA, and we obtain that through through a cheek swab. So after the cheek swab, you transfer it over to a type of paper that essentially lyses the cheek cells and then stores all the DNA on this filter paper. Essentially, the filter paper now now the DNA is stable for several years, and then that's what they send to us. So that's how we're actually able to, you know, use a sample of your DNA to create the artwork. When we first first started, we actually, I mean, there's so many ways to visualize DNA, and there's so many ways to create um, a one-of-a-kind fingerprint of an individual. Um, so when we first started, we essentially created, like, almost a criteria to, you know, what would be true to what we're trying to do. So number one, we wanted to be, you know, aesthetically pleasing. The second thing is that we wanted a lot of DNA bands. You can imagine if, you know, you end up buying a piece of art and there's, like, two DNA bands there and the entire portrait, you'd probably feel like, oh, well, you know, what's going on, right? Um, so we actually had to um, isolate specific sequences that occurred a lot in humans. And then number three, we wanted it to be completely unique to the individual, which was ultra important considering our entire concept of, of our company, right? So we wanted it to be personalized to the individual. And finally, last but not least, it had to be repeatable. So um, we had to be able to do it over and over again in your DNA and you get the same output. So essentially what we did is we basically looked at 100 different sequences and we isolated the top eight sequences that occur the most frequently in human genomic DNA. And these are small DNA sequences scattered throughout your entire human genome. And in every one of us, it occurs at different frequencies and different locations. And we just take advantage of that by isolating small little snippets and fragments of DNA throughout your entire genome that, has, uh, that are flanked by those sequences. Okay, so I've noticed on your website that you have like a number of different options and sizes and things um, that come with this DNA art. So what exactly are my choices 
when it comes to ordering, commissioning, I guess, a piece of this art? Yeah, so uh, the first thing is our customers determine how many people they want on their portrait. So it could be a single portrait, one individual, or it could, you know, you can have yourself and a, and a partner on one portrait called a split screen. Once you determine that, then you determine the size, and it has our pieces come in variable different sizes um, from small desk size type sizes, which is an 8 by 10 DNA mini piece, all the way up to our largest size, which is a 2472, you know, a large piece to put over a bed or a real centerpiece, you know, in your home. So once you determine how many people you want, then you determine the size, and then you have a host of different op- options, like adding your signature and purchasing the digital file. Okay, so what is this artwork going to set me back? Well, our prices range anywhere between $169 for a DNA mini portrait, all the way up to, you know, an entire family, four person on one canvas for, for about $1,400. So there's a huge range of, uh, of different options for our customers. You can get your DNA art by logging on to DNA11.com. That's DNA11.com. Don't feel like trying to tactfully cheek swab your gift recipient? DNA11 sells a convenient gift kit box so they can swab themselves. This starts at $169. Number five. With the economy on wobbly legs this season, we thought it might be a nice idea to think about someone else for a change and support a nonprofit instead of giving more stuff. But choosing that organization can be tricky, so we've picked two out for you. Our reasoning? Both support and distribute the Life Straw, an inexpensive, life-saving, portable water filter. Lots of cool technology and innovation went into the Life Straw, and we liked that it showed real science in action. Peter Clary is the communications director with Vestigard Franson, the Swiss-based manufacturer of LifeStraw. There are actually two LifeStraws. One is the LifeStraw Personal, which is a portable water purifier. And there is a companion product that was launched earlier this year called LifeStraw Family, which is a somewhat similar product, but it's designed to provide clean and safe drinking water to uh, a larger group. So the LifeStraw Family is designed to provide clean and safe drinking water for a typical family for about three years, where the Life Straw Personal is uh, an individual use water filtration system that provides clean and safe drinking water for one person for about one year. The Life Straw Personal looks just like an oversized drinking straw. You put one end in a contaminated water source and the other end in your mouth and suck. The water is drinkable by the time it hits your mouth. The Life Straw Personal operates on a series of filtration mechanisms, and the the one that is most responsible for keeping making the water safe to drink is an iodine-coated resin on the inside of the device, and, and that's responsible for killing and taking out 99% of waterborne bacteria and waterborne viruses. Life Straws retail for about $5 each and aren't available for individual sale in Canada or the U.S., They're typically sold in lots of tens or hundreds of thousands for distribution in third world countries. Visit LifeStraw.com and you'll be able to donate LifeStraws through IMA, World Health, and Rotary International. Number four. All right, so I have arrived here in the Physics and Astronomy Building of Columbia University and I'm entering the office of Joe Patterson, who is a professor of astronomy here at Columbia. Hi, Joe. Hi, Elena. So today, Joe has kindly agreed to help me and you shop for a meteorite on eBay. Now, Joe, before we even get started, what is a meteorite? 
Well, meteorite is a rock which usually is found lying on the Earth's surface. They result from the flashes in the sky that everybody knows as meteors, sometimes called shooting stars. Prior to collision with the Earth's atmosphere, they were simply in orbit around the Sun. They were just very, very small asteroids. Their orbits just randomly intersect with the Earth, and they flash through the Earth's atmosphere in maybe a second or so. And then, if they survive the fiery path through the Earth's atmosphere, they land on the ground. So how old is your average meteorite? The solar system formed about four and a half billion years ago. And we don't think there's much formation since then. And basically, rocks would get eroded pretty fast. So essentially, everyone that you find on the ground has probably been sitting on the ground you know, less than, say, 2,000 years. But probably the orbit of the sun for four and a half billion years before it fell. About 5% of all meteorites found on the Earth are made of almost completely iron, which makes them both rare and magnetic. About 80% of meteorites are so-called stony meteorites, which still have a high iron content but look more like regular earth rocks. Joe says if you're shopping for a meteorite, go for one with lots of iron. You're saying the iron ones look more interesting? Yeah, they look more interesting. They're, they're dark. They usually have a kind of gloss to them, which is called a fusion crust. Essentially arises from the fact that as they came through the atmosphere, the outer part got heated and uh, sort of got melted a little bit and then suddenly kind of froze back, in which case it has a sort of almost polished-looking shape to it, which is distinctive. It's not the average rock. This doesn't have that. Okay, we're, we're going to log on to eBay now, and we're going to check out some of the meteorites that are available. All right, ebay.com. We're going to look for meteorites. All right, so it turns out that there are about 1,700, almost 1,800 results found for meteorites on eBay. Now, the, the, very, the very first one we see on here is um, listed for... $15 million. As we scroll down a little bit, we've got more offers at about, you know, we've got one starting at 99 cents. So we've definitely got some price options. Joe, I'm, I'm curious, where should we start? Well, I've never bought, I've certainly never bought a meteorite on eBay. And in fact, I've never bought anything on eBay. So, uh, <laughs> but I guess they have a little search box up there somewhere. Yep. And let's just try the following. The, okay. the most famous meteorites in the world are actually not expensive at all because they're, they're common. And that's the Canyon Diablo meteorite. Okay. These are meteorites uh, which were fragments of the impact in northern Arizona, the so-called Canyon Diablo crater. Let's just go ahead and put Canyon Diablo meteorites. All right, here. so we're... C-A-N-Y-O-N, yeah. and then Spanish word for devil, D-I-A-B-L-O, Devil Canyon. Oh, indeed, some. jackpot. We okay. got some meteorites. Yeah. So yeah. so these seem to be more within our price range of about not $20 million, yeah. more along $20. So where would you where would you go from here? You go for one. I see one there. Let's see. There's one looks kind of... This one? Not, yeah, that one there. Let's see. It's going for 110 bucks. All I'm right. Gonna, they call it a graphite nodule? Graphite nodule, yes. Yeah, it looks like a very interesting rock. It's got these little inclusions in it that are very light, almost white. So I think it has a little fusion crust there. Yeah, it this looks particular a little shiny. One, look at the way there's a, there is a, a flat face to it there. Yeah. 
So you can tell that's part of the bigger rock that fractured almost like a karate chop. Cool. The stresses in it just fractured it and it fractured on a really clean plane. Mm -hmm. On the item description here, it says we've got the item type is a meteorite. It's a display specimen. And the type of mineral it says, this guy says it has, is iron and nickel. And now, is there anything that would make you doubt that this is a real meteorite? Uh, I don't think so. Does it say a certificate of authenticity? No, it doesn't. Joe says most meteorites, especially if you're spending the big bucks, should come with a certificate of authenticity. The one that we looked at didn't say anything about a certificate, but that doesn't mean it doesn't have one. Email the eBay seller before you make a purchase and ask about any certification papers. Also, be sure to check the seller's eBay reputation. For more information on buying meteorites online, Joe recommends meteoritemarket.com. Number three. So you know someone who's always wanted to be a scientist, or just hang out with one. Have we got a present for you. Karen Randall is the director of special projects at the SETI Institute in California. She started SETI's Adopt a Scientist program. An idea where we could get people that were really excited about science, perhaps even had an early passion for science, but then decided to go out and make lots of money instead, and put them together with our scientists who are doing expeditions in the fields and perhaps give them the opportunity to join them. The Adopt-A-Scientist program currently has around 50 scientists available for adoption. I asked Karen to tell me about a few. Well, Dale Anderson actually has some pretty exciting things going on. Um, Dale likes to say that no life is too extreme and no environment too remote for him to go explore it. And uh, I believe that the, the opportunity that he has available is going to be up in the Antarctic. And um, so there's, there's some deep sea, or, I'm sorry, it's not actually, there'd actually be some deep ice diving where you go through 20 feet of ice and go diving. Now, that may not sound appealing to everybody, but you never know. To some people, that might sound appealing. On the other end of the spectrum, uh, there's Mark Showalter, and he's actually offering some warm water scuba diving where you'd be investigating some life. And that just happens to be an additional passion of his. He takes lots of beautiful pictures of fish. Uh, but you could explore some extremophiles in that environment as well. Many people recognize the name Frank Drake from the Drake Equation. And I find that one of our exciting opportunities just because a lot of people don't really know how to gain access to somebody that's such a recognizable name. So there are four different levels of adoption, depending on both your budget and your sense of adventure. The first level starts at a $1,000 gift. And for that, they'll receive an annual written report from their scientist. They'll also get a signed photo of the scientists. And we throw in a couple of other little perks that they'll receive, like they'll get actually a logbook, a leather-bound logbook, and uh, receive some little excerpts from the scientists' expedition that will be sent to them. The next level goes up to $2,500. And in addition to the other gifts that they're receiving, they'll also get the opportunity to actually get a two-hour on-site visit at the SETI Institute with their scientist and bring another guest of their choice. And then, of course, you jump right up into the principal investigator level, and that begins at 25000 and goes up to 100000 And that's actually where you are participating on the expedition. And if there is a paper published, then their name will actually also be in the published paper. So how do you start your adoption process? Go to our site, which is www.seti.org, and right on the home page, they can click on a link that will give them all the information on the different scientists that are available. 
and the different levels that they can adopt them. Or there's a telephone number where they can get in touch with me and I can help walk them through the process and maybe give them some further details about what would happen on the exact expedition. It would be worked out with their schedule. So we talk about what expeditions are leaving when and um, what their health is and what the requirements are that they need. And we'd go from there. Number two. Okay, so you might have been expecting this one, but we really can't let it slide. After all, what better gift is there than experience? Science in the City has three awesome Science of the Senses events coming up in the new year. Give the gift of one or of all three online at scienceinthecity.org slash five senses. You'll get an evening of science and art with some of the leading scientists and artists in their fields, like Roseanne Cash and Daniel Levitin on April 29th, and ex-magician Apollo Robbins and neurogeneticist Christoph Koch on January 12th. They'll all delve into the science and psychology of our senses. If that's not enough to convince you, how about the wine and cheese reception following the events, complemented by a 180-degree view of the Manhattan skyline from the Academy's 40th floor home? Get your tickets today and your gift tickets online at scienceandthecity.org slash five senses. And number one. Okay, Whew. so we've covered nine awesome science gifts this season, and I'm going to head back to my cubicle to um, figure out what the number one gift of science is this year. And oh, oh, I've stumbled upon our membership manager, Anita Lucas. Anita, what on earth are you doing? You're wrapping. You're wrapping something up here. I'm given the gift of science. You're given the gift of science? What, what What? on earth do you mean? How do you do that? I'm wrapping up a membership to the New York Academy of Sciences. Really? You can become a member to the New York Academy of Sciences? Absolutely. And when you become a member, here's what you get. A free or reduced rate to the discussing groups and the Academy conferences. And you also get free access to all of our Academy e-briefings, and we have hundreds of them. Hundreds? We also have lots of career development events for grad students and postdocs. You also get our Annals publication online, which is the oldest scientific publication in the United States. Holy cow, I had no idea. And finally, you get a discounted rate to all of our Science in the City events. Wait, hold on. A discounted rate to Science in the City events? (gasps) Our listeners will love this. They love Science in the City. So, Anita, how do I get my hands on a membership to the New York Academy of Sciences? Well, Elena, all you have to do is go online to www.nyas.org slash gift membership. So that was www.nyas.org slash gift membership? Absolutely. And there you'll find all the information you will need to give a gift of membership in the New York Academy of Sciences. Perfect. I can't wait to get that. Oh, this is going to be the best holiday season ever. So that wraps up our gift countdown. We hope you've been inspired to branch out a little this holiday season. At the very least, we hope you learned something. If you love Science in the City podcasts, we'd love you to support them by becoming a member of the New York Academy of Sciences. Visit scienceinthecity.org and click join now. If you have any questions or comments about our show, once again, we'd love your feedback. You can send us an email at scienceinthecity at nyas.org, or you can leave us a voicemail at 212-298-8654. Science in the City is taking a break next week for the holidays, but you can catch us brand new in the new year for a whole new season. 
the Signs in the City podcast series. 